0: it's Cassidy here. Well, today is a holiday, so we thought we'd put out another extra special un-episode in honor of Indigenous Peoples Day. Did you think I was going to say Columbus Day? Well, that's why this episode has a little education in it. Rather than celebrate colonialism, our goal is to honor, uplift, and support Indigenous and Native peoples and American Indians. Indigenous People's Day is celebrated on the second Monday of October, in lieu of Columbus Day. According to History.com, as of 2020, the holiday is observed by the states of Minnesota, Alaska, Maine, Louisiana, Oregon, New Mexico, Nevada, and Vermont, as well as South Dakota, which celebrates Native Americans Day, and Hawaii, which celebrates Discoverer's Day. Why replace Columbus Day with Indigenous People's Day? From the same article, Leo Kilsback, a professor of American Indian Studies at Arizona State University says, Columbus Day is not just a holiday. It represents the violent history of colonization in the Western hemisphere. Surprisingly, I didn't actually know about Indigenous Peoples Day until recently, which is pretty embarrassing considering I grew up in Oklahoma the state whose name literally means red people in the Choctaw language. McCall and I have a dear friend named Laura who lives in Canada, where today they're celebrating Thanksgiving. Well, Laura and her family are actually celebrating what they call Gratitude Day instead. Here's Laura to tell us more and to educate us a little on Columbus Day in the United States too. so my daughter's home from university and she's a psych major
1: and a sociology minor and so she came home and she's like are we doing thanksgiving <laughs> like ah. and so it, it just opened up a big huge conversation
2: you're in canada
1: we are in canada
2: so this week is thanksgiving yes. for canada yes but it's not related to christopher columbus though right no but it's still a good conversation about colonialism so it is the same story basically there were people living there somebody came in took it over and said oh now it's mine bye find somewhere else yes and then we celebrate that
1: well that's just it so (laughs) i said to my daughter i was like but here's the thing right is that we've never been Like in Canada, we don't have that huge tradition of making our kids dress up like pilgrims and do those weird plays with native people wearing feathers and stuff like that's not a thing here. So I said to my daughter, I was like, is it allowed to just have the day of gratitude and still eat Turkey? And she's like, I don't know if it's on the same day. Isn't it still like I said, but we've never been grateful for genocide like.
2: (laughs) So we have to make a day to celebrate for gratitude and Thanksgiving. For taking over people's homes that were already there. That's what this holiday we're talking about is Columbus. They were celebrating Columbus coming in next week in America. Right. You're celebrating Thanksgiving today.
1: So, have you ever seen the show with Kristen Bell called um, The Good Place?
2: Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So, I can't remember what her name is, but that Alexa-type character. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was like my favorite line from the whole thing was when she said, uh, fun fact, Columbus is in a bad place because of all the raping
2: and pillaging. (laughs) Right? Also, I don't understand why it's named for one dude. Apparently. So apparently
1: in America, the reason that Columbus became such a big thing, because he really wasn't the guy who discovered America at all. That's what I thought. Was that they were having a huge problem with racism against the Italians who were at the time the new immigrants. And so the head honcho in charge at the time said, you know what we should do is give them a holiday named after an Italian and then it'll kind of balance lighten stuff up a little. Huh? That's apparently why you have it.
2: Very interesting. Why do you have Thanksgiving? Do you know anything about the story?
1: It's the same. Our Thanksgiving is the same as yours. We just do it earlier, I think, because it's the harvest time, right? So the Northern we're north of you guys so our harvest would have come earlier than yours I'm sure that's the only reason because it's a harvest holiday really that's what it's gonna be I think going
2: forward that's what my kids have the day off for harvest
1: because you can't like that's just it because we started this year they asked all the kids what they were grateful for my little one was so cute you know what he said he was grateful for All the kids, eh? Grateful for their toys and their games and their everything. And he said, I'm grateful that my sister Evie came home from university.
2: And he's like four, right, Cam? He's so cute. That's Cam. He's four? Five? He's five, yeah. Kindergarten.
0: So how can we celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day? Well... Check out indiancollective.org, which is literally spelled out ndncollective.org, collectiveorg based in South Dakota, which is an Indigenous-led organization dedicated to building Indigenous power. Donate to a local tribe in your area, or donate to the COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund, which supports Native organizations on the front lines. I'll provide a few links in the show notes for some more ideas on indigenous organizations we can all support today and every day.
2: Well, 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 Cassidy makes almost a whole episode by herself when I was supposed to. (laughs) This is McCall. If you've listened to our episode on the collective unconscious and all things woo-woo, then you'll have heard my confession As a child, I mistakenly identified myself as Native American due to my birth name of Blackwood and some misinformation that I received from adult family members. Regardless, many of those concepts that I learned during that, um, unintended Rachel Dolezal time remain resonant within my deepest core. One of those is the Native American idea of two-spirit people Individuals that combine characteristics from both genders and through that balance and harmony create a gender completely different that's neither gender and yet both, sort of like the Indian third gender concept we've been talking about in the last several episodes. In many Native American tribes, two-spirit people filled special religious roles as healers and shamans and ceremonial leaders. In fact, amongst the Lakota, Mojave, Crow, Cheyenne, and other tribes, Two-Spirit people were considered especially blessed in the area of love and attraction. They could even bestow that gift to others. Currently, there are 574 federally recognized tribes in the United States alone. Today, the Native American Church, or NAC, also known as Peyoteism, is by far the most commonly practiced religion amongst them, and that includes Mexico and Canada too. One of its first important leaders was Quana Parker. He was the son of a Comanche chief and a white woman who was kidnapped as a child and assimilated into the Nakoni tribe. Quana actually adopted the Peyote religion after he was gouged by a bull while he was visiting his uncle in southern Texas, when a curandera, sort of a Mexican healer of bodies, minds, and spirits, a doctor, therapist, and a priest all in one, was called upon to treat Parker's wounds and used a strong peyote tea to effectively heal him. See, from the earliest times, Native Americans viewed disease and death as the natural result of an imbalance in an individual. So, what better pharmacist than the great spirit itself who purposefully created peyote for medicinal, spiritual, and healing purposes? So it's used, along with other sacred plants, prayer, and fasting to cure most imbalances. Within the Native American church, peyote is not used as a recreational drug, like ever. It is holy, a sacred sacrament, much like mushrooms were to Maria Sabina in Mexico, or communion at your local church. I've got some fun facts for you. First one clinical studies indicate that peocactin, the water soluble crystalline substance that comes from peyote, proved an effective antibiotic against 18 strains of penicillin-resistant Staphylococcus, also several other bacteria, and a pesky fungus to boot. So, maybe there's something to that pharmacist, huh? Here's an interesting fact about the NAC. It originated in Cassidy's home state, the Oklahoma Territory, in the late 19th century. Some might consider it monotheistic, sure, but that's just due to the umbrella belief that there's one supreme being, often called the Great Spirit, which inhabits, well, pretty much everything. See, it's a concept of universal spiritual energy, like divine source. Within the Lakota and Sioux tribes, it's called Wakan Tanka, which generally translates to the Great Spirit mystery. And it could be interpreted as the power that resides in all. All objects, all places, living things and inanimate. Perhaps even words possess a distinct spiritual God-essence energy. All matter is animated and alive, emanating and receptive to some spirit force. Okay, another fun fact. Most native cultures don't have a word for religion because it's just such an intrinsic and inherent perspective for them. However, the fancy theological word for this particular cosmological understanding is called animism. And that comes from the Latin word anima, which literally means spirit. So, Although they definitely do believe in one supreme spirit, their mythology tells a tale of creation that includes all these petty gods, things like the sun and moon and stars. The word animism was coined by Sir Edward Tyler in the late 19th century, who says it's one of anthropology's earliest concepts, if not the very first This means that for Native cultures, there was no hard and fast distinction between the spiritual world and the material world. However, colonial European missionaries exploited the similarities between their concept of God and the Great Spirit to encourage conversion to Christianity. Another guiding principle of the NAC is seeking balance. In fact, As I mentioned earlier, they teach that imbalance is the source of death and disease, but also interpersonal disagreements. So adherents try to achieve balance through any means necessary, including prayer and peyote. Chief Luther Standing Bear of the Lakota Nation put it thus, From Wakantanka, the Great Spirit, there came a great unifying life force that flowed in and through all things, the flowers of the plains, blowing winds, rocks, trees, birds, animals, and was the same force that had been breathed into the first man. Thus, all things were kindred and were brought together by the same great mystery." Makes me think of God's fingerprints throughout nature. The Fibonacci spiral, the golden ratio. All things that we're going to be talking about on upcoming episodes. You know, American Indians have always had a great appreciation, even worship, of the land. As mother, often. And that created further conflict with colonialism, specifically the monotheistic requirements of Christianity and the belief, you know, I'm just going to let Joseph Campbell explain.
3: Ours is a mythology that's based on the inside of duality. And so our religion tends to be ethical in its accent. Sin and atonement, right and wrong. It started with a sin, you see. In other words, moving out of the mythological zone, the garden of paradise, where there is no time, and where men and women don't even know that they're different from each other. The two are just uh, creatures. And uh, God and man are uh, practically the same. He walks in the cool of the evening in the garden where we are and then they eat the apple, the knowledge of the pairs of opposites. And man and woman then cover their shame. They're different. God and man, they're different. Man and nature is against man. I once heard a wonderful lecture by Daiset Suzuki. remember this wonderful old Zen philosopher who was over here, he he was in his 90s. He started a lecture in Switzerland, and I heard in Ascona. He stood up with his hands on his side and he said, God against man, man against God. Man against nature, nature against man. Nature against God, God against nature. Very funny religion. (laughs) (laughs) Now in the other mythologies, one puts oneself in accord with the world. If the world is a mixture of good and evil, you do not put yourself in accord with it. You identify with the good. And you fight against the evil, and this is a religious system which belongs to the Near East following Zarathustra's time. It's in the biblical tradition uh, all the way, in Christianity and Islam as well, this business of not being with nature. And we speak with a sort of derogation of the nature religions. You see, with that fall in the garden, nature was regarded as corrupt. There's a myth for you that corrupts the whole world for us. And every spontaneous act is sinful because nature is corrupt and has to be corrected, must not be yielded to. You get a totally different civilization, a totally different way of living, according to your myth as to whether nature is fallen or whether nature is itself a manifestation of divinity, and the spirit being the revelation of the divinity that's inherent in nature. Don't you think
0: that Americans, modern Americans, have rejected this idea, this Indian idea, this ancient idea of nature as revealing the divinity because it would have kept us from achieving dominance over nature?
3: Uh, Yeah, but that's the biblical condemnation of nature that they inherited from their own religion and brought with them. God is not in nature. God is separate from nature, and nature is not God. And this distinction between God and the world is... uh, not be found in in basic Hinduism or Buddhism either. I'll never forget the experience I had when I was in Japan. To be in a place that never heard of the fall in the Garden of Eden. To be in a place where I can read in one of the Shinto texts, the processes of nature cannot be evil when every impulse, every natural impulse is uh, not to be corrected, but to be sublimated, you know, to be beautified. And the glorious interest in the the beauty of nature and cooperation with nature and coordination so that in some of those gardens, you don't know where nature begins and art ends. This to me was a, a tremendous experience, and it's another mythology. From the Upanishad, then he realized, I indeed am this creation, for I have poured it forth from myself. In that way, he became this creation. And verily, he who knows this becomes in this creation a creator. That's the clincher there. When you know this, then you've identified with the creative principle yourself, which is the God power in the world, which means in you. It's beautiful.
2: Springing forth from that idea that imbalance equals death, man's heart away from nature becomes hard. That's another quote by Chief Luther Standing Bear. The fact of the matter is, we are on a precipice with regard to climate change. Humanity has become so out of balance with the planet that we are now impacting our own capacity to sustain a viable environment. Sure, maybe not where you live, and maybe not yet, but there are millions, hundreds of millions of people who may become displaced due to rising temperatures in other parts of the world. It is undeniable that we, as humans, are out of balance with the planet. In fact, the Hopi tribe of Arizona has a word, Koryanaskatsi, that means an unbalanced life, or a state of life that calls for another way of living. I don't know about you, but I sure feel like we're living a It Seems to me that maybe we should adopt some kind of thinking more aligned with the Native American church, especially in comparison to the colonialism represented in Columbus Day. Although today's reservation-era Native Americans basically all practice NAC and Christianity, this is mostly a result of Quanah Parker and John Wilson's influence. Parker's most famous teaching regarding the spirituality of the Native American church is represented in his quote, The white man goes into his church house and talks about Jesus, but the Indian goes into his teepee and talks to Jesus. Jesus. The idea of seeking balance to promote healing both interpersonally and for the planet as a whole really speaks to me, so much so that this will be the topic I will start to unbox next week on Unboxing God. Let me leave you with one more quote, this time by Black Elk, a holy man of the Sioux. Have you noticed that everything an Indian does is in a circle? And this is because the power of the world always works in circles. The sky is round, and I'm told that the earth is round like a ball. The wind, in its great power, whirls round. The seasons go round and round in a circle. The life of a man is a circle, from child to childlike. So this is McCall signing off, and next week I'll be back to talk to you more about circles and balance and numbers. Till then, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Bye.